Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, they have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. Who doesn't love shopping at Target? Did you know the all-new Target Circle is the free and easy way to get the most deals at Target? And when you pay with your Target Circle card, you can save an extra 5% your way every day. But wait, there's more. Now you've got a new way to save with Target Circle 360. With unlimited same-day delivery, Target Circle 360 is the fastest way to get your order to your door or someone else's. Right now, sign up for Target Circle 360 for just $49 for your first year of membership. That's $50 off the regular price. Visit Target.com slash Circle or the Target app for more details. Same-day delivery is subject to terms, applies to orders over $35. For 5% discount, restrictions apply. See program rules in-store or at Target.com slash Circle Card. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I am all in. With Scott Patterson, an iHeartRadio podcast. All right. Hey, guys. Uh, we're back. Scott Patterson, I am all in podcast. Listen, uh, we're getting a lot of emails, like 500,000s of emails, millions coming in about not mentioning the character names with their real names. And we're going to fix that. So we've had Sally Struthers, uh, and she played uh, Babette. Uh, we've had Yannick Truesdale, the, the, uh, as you recall, uh, he played Michelle and, uh, and Rose Abdu played Gypsy, as we all know, the lovely Gypsy. Don't reveal who we have today yet. No, I'm not. No, I know. I'm not First gonna... they want to know, and you know what they want to know. What do they want to know? They want to know like. Who, who the heck are we? Uh, oh, and we've got, we've got the, the illustrious, uh, podcast producer, Amy. Sugarman, and we also have uh, uh, Danielle Romo, uh, another producer on the podcast, who has 
never also like me has never seen an episode so we're going to be experiencing her point of view as a non-watcher who's been converted like me as a watcher and 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 i'm quickly becoming obsessed by the way so how about you same Daniel? here i'm yeah. very much enjoying this this yeah. show yeah. so it's... i'm sorry for all the people i made mad <laughs> but no i really really love this show and i'm excited to follow along and really, you know, get into this. Isn't I'm super show? excited. Isn't so. it a great show? Fantastic. I can't believe how good it is. So good. Why didn't it's I watch so it? Well, I didn't have time. And we'll, we'll go. <laughs> why we'll, didn't we'll, I watch we'll, it? We'll, 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 why didn't I watch it? I mean, when I was younger. Um, <laughs> and then uh, uh, and then we have our young gun here. Uh, and Riley, please pronounce your last name. Pelusis. So that's our that's our team. That's our podcast team of experts and amateurs, uh, uh, of which I count myself one because I'm like, I'm becoming this obsessed fan along with Danielle. I am so obsessed at this point because I've watched three episodes and I'm just hitting myself in the head with a hammer now. Like, why didn't you watch the show? And now I'm going to tell you why I didn't watch the show. You know why I didn't watch the show? Listen, uh, and, and here's, uh, we've been getting plenty of, uh, Emails about this, like, why hasn't he watched the show? It's not believable. He, Of course he, he watched the show. No, I didn't. And do you know why? Because the shooting days on set are 12 to 16 hours, sometimes longer. So when you're in that even three days a week, you don't have time to do anything else. You have time to sleep and you have time to eat and you have time to maybe take a shower. Um, and then you're back at it again. And so over over time you develop and you develop very quickly uh, a short-term memory muscle and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger because you got to flush the day's uh, dialogue uh, that you learn to make room for the new stuff. And there's a lot of dialogue. So it's, it's just a function of clearing out and, and learning new stuff and not really honestly knowing where you are in the episode or in the entire series. So that's why the director is there. One of, one of the director's main functions on a TV series and on a film is to let the actor know where they are in the story in the episode and where they are in the story in the season and in the whole sort of uh, uh, overall story. So uh, he's giving you a macro and a micro view at the same time. Cause you, and sometimes yeah. they blow it, which we'll talk about today. Yeah. There's a mistake oh, in this episode oh, three. Really? We'll get I'm, to that. I'm intrigued. Yeah. But anyway, so that's, that's why I've never seen it. Cause there was never any time. And in, also in, if you work at the ice cream store, do you eat ice cream? If you, if you make the sausage, do you want to eat it? You, you're, you're smelling the sausage all day. This is the analogy I, I use. I hope it isn't uh, off putting, but. It's, it's, it's the best I can do for right now. So, um, and then we had a special, we had a dialogue coach named George Bell who they were going to let go. I think after season three or four, and I, I went into Amy and I said, uh, I said, we have to have this guy without this guy. We're not going to be able to do this dialogue at the speed you want it because he comes in in the morning in the trailer. And the first thing they ask me when I get there is like, what do you want for breakfast? And then I say, where's George? <laughs> Bring him in. And George comes to your trailer and you run the scenes that you're going to do that day over and over and over and over and over again until you're just bulletproof and you can't possibly make a mistake. What was he good at? Like going fast with it? Yes. But first of all, he's a really good actor. So he understands the scene. He understands what it takes. 
and he's a great reader. He's a great scene partner to be with. So well, I'd love to have him on the show because he's such a great guy and he's a really good friend. Um, and, and But if you didn't have George Bell, you don't have that show. I mean, he was really, really important. And uh, he helped everybody with their dialogue and with their speed. And because you walk on that set and seems things seem a lot faster on the set. And, you know, you you got to know your stuff. So that was what it was all about for nine months when you're shooting is knowing your lines and knowing them so cold that you can't make a mistake. You don't have time to make a mistake and knowing them at that pace. And it's a very fast pace. So no, I did not have time to watch the show. I didn't have the strength. I, I, I you know, it's like you need your sleep uh, to recharging and, and, and flush out all that stuff. So that's, Crazy Is that shooting why some schedule. things are harder for you to remember too, because you're using your short-term memory and then you purged it. Yeah. So now going back, you're yeah. like, huh, was I there? But it comes back pretty quickly when I see it and I go, oh yeah, wow. And a lot of times I'm watching, and, and in these first couple of episodes, I don't have a lot of dialogue and I, you know, I'm, Episode three, I'm, I'm just sort of Interesting like, hat. Interesting yeah. hat. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Get a couple of lines. Give, give give the gimp a couple of lines over there. You know, let's make him feel good. Um, you did have the denim shirt, though. You did have the denim did, shirt, which I, I like. Which was my favorite. Doing... It was my favorite shirt, and they never used it again. I don't think denim on denim. Oh, is this the only time we'll see? I think denim it was the only. On maybe, maybe there was a second time. Maybe, and I would go to Brenda Maben, and I who was the, who was the head wardrobe mistress, and uh, and just you know just great at her job. And I said, what about the denim? I love the denim. You know, it's like, I'm, I, and, and see, I'm wearing it today. It's not yeah, that. I liked the denim. It's not we that should do a, in honor we of should episode do a three. Denim wearing. versus flannel pull. Maybe <laughs> I like that idea. Yeah. It was like, a, it was like a flannel versus a denim, like, you know, wrestle yeah, off MMA was, thing and the denim lost denim got oh, knocked out. The denim out. was hot. The denim was good. I like the denim. I mean, I wear the denim. I wear the It was a nice too. light denim with a dark denim. It yeah. Was, was uh, I, I I thought it was it was I thought it was gorgeous gorgeous denim <laughs> <laughs> it's gorgeous <laughs> so anyway so that's the explanation um it's all short term memory it's not you're you're in a fog on a set a lot of times you don't know where you are in the story and if you and hopefully you have and we had great directors and this the director on this one was Leonard Nemo Spock's kid. <gasps> No, Adam Nimoy. Adam directed I'm so glad this you mentioned episode, that. And he was great. He was just great at it, you know? And he grew up in the business, so how could he not be great? He learned from his dad, who was who was a brilliant guy, who was also a multi-hyphenate, you know, did the poetry Whoa. and music. And- Leonard Nimoy directed my favorite Star yeah. Trek, yeah. Star Trek Four. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So, so Adam he, Nimoy yeah. was the director of this episode. Yes, and did he stand out as a particularly good director? They were all good. They were just good in different ways. You know, their personalities varied. So some people were a little more chatty and others were a little more reserved. And some people liked to shoot, you know, 30 takes of the master and drive everybody crazy and others didn't, you know, or just shoot 20. So, uh, but the show demanded that many takes because the editors wanted, and I'm facing that right now, with uh, putting a music video together for a single I'm about to release is that the editor doesn't have enough footage. So I'm going to have to go down to the beach and shoot more footage because uh, there's not enough to cut to. And I thought, you know, the professional that I am, I would know that. <laughs> Screwed him up. And they called me and goes, you're a pro. Why didn't you give me enough footage or enough angles? So 
Um, anyway, so that's really why they shoot so much. They just want a lot of options. Anyway, yeah. so you're on a set and you're an actor and all you should be thinking about is the scene and nailing your dialogue at the pace because the only note we would really get from um, directors is, can you go a little faster? Mm. I said, it's 3 a.m. No, uh, I, I, I can go faster in my car going home, but you really want to say, just faster, 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 funny. Okay. And so you try, you really, really try. And that's it. That's, that's, or listen, you're here in this scene and this is where we are in the story. And this is the pitch is this and the tone is this. And, and that's it. That's all the, that's all you get, which is all you really need. Um, so yeah, so no time to watch the episodes. Even if well, I was interested in, even if I liked watching uh, my own work, which I do not, I loathe it. Uh, I, I still wouldn't have had time to do it anyway. So there you go. That's my excuse and I'm sticking to it. I hope you enjoy the show. Well, we're glad you didn't because here we are now. Yes, exactly. Kill me now. It was the one thing. <laughs> it was my one advantage. Ignorance leading to a podcast. Total complete. Amy, that was really good, by the way. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys. All right, let's do it. I mean, listen, everybody, you are going to be thrilled with our next guest, very, very, very special guest, a dear friend of mine. And, uh, and I think it's going to be a good way to apologize to everyone out there for all the screw ups so far, but we'll, we'll figure it out. Anyway, we'll be back after this. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily, as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. 
old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Hi, ladies and gentlemen, this is Scott Patterson. I am an all-in podcast, and we have a very, very, very special guest today joining us, and it's going to make the fans very, very happy because you you emailed us, you DM'd us about this particular guest, uh, and we're delivering him, and you you're gonna know you, we're gonna we're gonna get into it in a c- couple of seconds here, but let me let me tell you a little bit about this guy. Uh, you know him for his role in Gilmore Girl, but he has several other television guest appearances along with playing Kraglin in the Marvel films, Guardians of the Galaxies and Avengers. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Sean Gunn. Sean was born in St. Louis, Missouri. He was the youngest of six children. He graduated from DePaul University's theater program, the Goodman School, 1996. He's married to Natasha Halevi. Halevi? Halevi. Halevi. Uh, who is an American actress and film director, and his next project is starring as the weasel in The Suicide Squad in theaters August 6th. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the versatile Sean Gunn. Hello. Sean, welcome to the podcast. Where's the applause? There's no, I'm used to the applause for that. There we go, there you go. It's very nice to be here, Scott. It's a... it's long overdue. It's nice. It, it, you know, it's it, it's good to see you again. The last time we uh, last time I saw you was in uh, where were we? Charlotte. I honestly have no idea. I remember seeing you. It was a convention. And I remember sitting. I remember like sitting and hang. I remember hanging out. Yeah. But I have no idea what city that was. That That's was. What, um, oh, I was in Virginia. Charlotte sounds right. Charlotte sounds right. Was it Charlotte, North Carolina? But it was that convention. It was that last convention we did. The thing about conventions is I've now done, I've done, I'm over 50 on, con- <laughs> on conventions and I don't, I can't, I can't place cities anymore. Right, so I right, don't know. Right, like, right. so like, I remember like details about being there, but I don't right. remember where we were. I remember, I, I, I remember Berlin distinctively. I don't think you were there. Were you there in Berlin? No. I remember Berlin because no. it was Berlin. And, I would love to go to Berlin actually. Oh, it was great. Shout out to all the Berlin fans. It was so much um, fun. It I'll, was really I'll be there. 
at some point. It was and we're starting up again, I think. I think I'm actually going to start doing, yeah. you know, there's a whole, whatever, a year and a half from yeah. all of the uh, COVID nonsense. Yeah, so yeah. Yeah. so um, I know you're working on something now. You can't really talk about it. That's fine. Yeah, we don't have to talk about that's it. true. <laughs> that'll be uh, that'll be soon. Although I did, you know, I, I have Suicide Squad coming out in August, which is cool. So good, that's deal. something. Although that's another, um, that's another. You know, now I've 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 been dipping my toe into doing this like uh, the CGI work. So right. I play this character that's full CGI. So full, right. like right. they put me in the in the the mocap suit and. Um, Everything you see the character do is something that I actually did. Right. Uh, so it's, 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 it's me, but uh, it's a weird thing. Being an actor in 2021 is a weird thing. Yeah, yeah. But it's got to be exciting being in films this large uh, yeah. with, with such a, a massive fan base um, and doing that high-tech kind of stuff. It's got to be thrilling, though. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's, um, it, it, it was weird. I, I was just sort of going over it it's weird how how things work out so my brother james you know is a is a uh, writer director and we were both in around 2012 we both were at this like low point in our careers mm-hmm. where we thought we had had it made a decade earlier you know <laughs> like like i'm on a tv show <laughs> he was like writing movies he wrote right. like a couple of hit movies and and then one thing after another happened and after like after Gilmore Girls I I just like things dried up I did this other TV show that went away right away and then I I did this like big commercial campaign that was weird and and then I just kind of had a couple of years of crickets right and uh and like oh I thought I thought everyone was paying attention to this like magnificent work I was doing and yet Nobody knows. It seems like nobody knows who I am. But and, uh, yeah, that's that's and, the, and things were right. You know, things were really slow, and and right. uh, and the same thing was going on with my brother. He was like, "Oh gosh, I'm a director, but I can't get." It's like uh, movies are still polarized now. That there's either like these huge tentpole movies right. or these tiny movies that are impossible to get funding for. And he's like, "What am I going to do? I don't want to direct videos. I don't want to." right for video games and then like guardians came and and sort of i won't say fell into his lap because he he worked you know mm-hmm. so hard to get that job but when he got that job he's like okay here's something i can bring you on board to come do nice. and uh and then it was like that that was the runway for the next right you know for right. what's been the last decade of my yeah. career but that's but that's my attorney told me after Gilmore, you're going to get two more shots, and that's how it hmm. works. You get three. You get three. You get three strikes. So if you're on a if you're on a hit series, or even if it's a mild hit, you're going to get another offer to do another series. And if that doesn't go, you get one more, hopefully, huh. and then but three, and you're out. So the same thing happened to me with uh, Aliens in America. That went a year. And then the event, which went a year as well. And that was it. So by, exactly. So by about 2011, 2012, I was like, I was crapped Your out. attorney's dark, man. No, no, just very, very experienced. What if, what if instead of saying you get three shots and you're out, he said, 
play the long game, Scott. You've got, you know, like it's, uh, it could go anyway. And just, so, uh, anyway. I think they probably had, a, they probably had a, a meeting saying, well, you know, it's, how long is Patterson going to bring in the Bucks? You know, so I don't know. <laughs> Tell, give him the, give him the three shot speech. It may be a little, oh, God. to get more jobs. I don't know. Um, but no, that's traditionally how he explained it historically. This is because he's, you know, an old, you know, older lawyer at the time. And he was a legend yeah. and a partner in a huge firm. The whole thing is that this is traditionally. I love those old school guys. Right. I got my, I've been with my manager for like right. 20 years. And, and he, he like made his, he, he like, he got his chops. Like he, he used to work for Susan Smith, who was a, right. who was a, sure. uh, very respected you know, yeah. who's since passed, you know, but yeah. like, but like, you know, represented like actors, yes. like, you know, like New York Brian Denny, yes. you know, like, yep. and, and awesome. And I, I love that. I love having some sort of connection to that. I, I like to think of myself as, as a throwback <clears throat> as an actor, you know? And right, so like, right. I like having some connection to that past. It's um. so let's get into, uh, let's get into how, what were you doing right before you got, Gilmore. You know, what's funny about Gilmore is that I never thought that that was going to be the show that like right. people would know me. Like I, I, I was, you know, um, I was a character actor. I, I'd gone to, I'd gone to acting school and, 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 and felt, you know, certain ways about acting school, but then came out, came out to LA and I started like booking really well. Like I learned that I had pretty good comic timing and I understood sitcoms really well. So like I, I was, I, I, I booked at a really high rate and I was like, I, I was arrogant. I was like, I got this, you know, like I'm, I'm like, people want me to do their shows and I did Gilmore Girls and it was just a one it was a co-star. It wasn't right. even a guest star. I did a, right. a co-star as the mm. DSL installer mm. on Gilmore Girls. Mm. Um, but I was booking other things at the time and doing other shows. And then I remember I, I got the call to like, hey, Gilmore Girls book you, wants to book you again. And I was like, what? I was a, you know, as a, a DSL installer. It doesn't make sense. Now, I've since learned the story, um, you know, to, over the years, I've since learned from Amy that, like essentially what happened was they did another, they did another episode where there was another delivery guy right? and they saw some actors and Amy said to, to Jamie Rudofsky and, and Mark Casey, our, our wonderful casting directors, it's like, no, no, find me a guy like that guy who played the DS. I want a guy like that. And, uh, and Jamie bless her heart. <laughs> You know, I will always, I will always do any favor that Jamie Rudofsky asks of me. Said to, said to Amy, why don't you just hire that same guy again? Right. Like, and 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 Amy was like, huh, that's an interesting idea. And uh, but you didn't have a name in that episode. Not to interrupt no. you, but but you didn't have a name in that episode. Because Laurel, I said, go to Yannick, you know, to Michelle, go with that guy and deliver the swan. That, there's a guy over there. She didn't call you Mick. She yeah. didn't call you Kirk. What was that about? That was the second. The, the second episode was, yeah, was the swan delivery. Right. So the first episode I did was the DSL. Right, store, right. I know. Where I they know. called me Mick, which Amy right. forgot that she gave me a name. Right. So you were supposed to be a different guy. I didn't. I didn't know. And, <laughs> and at that point in my career, I didn't ask. 
I didn't want to ever do anything to rock the boat to not <laughs> to to like upset the apple cart of the job that I was doing. I, so I had to learn I that the hard ask way. Ask a very basic question. <laughs> you know, I learned that like, the hard if way. I, if, if, if I heard it over again, I would have said, "Hey, is this the same guy that I played in the first episode, or is it a different guy?" But I'm like, I was just happy to have the work. It's it all. That's yeah. all it takes. And He's yeah, a troublemaker. Exactly, exactly. You don't want to hire him. Oh God! Oh, funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I uh, and 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 then you know and then it kind of became this like running gag and you know I know that that Amy's dad was a character actor who would who would work multiple times on the same show and right. and uh, and she thought that gag was kind of funny right. and so I took a lot of work away from a lot of actors because anytime they would need a role that was like normally this would be a day player where we see a new guy who's like the clerk and the in the beauty shop or like working in the flower uh-huh. store or whatever, uh-huh. we're just going to hire this same guy oh, and he'll terrible. come back and he'll just do it over and over and over again. But the funny thing for me is that like the whole time I thought this gag is going to wear thin and every show I do is going to be my last. Uh-huh. Like I thought that the whole, the entire first season of Gilmore girls, I honestly thought every show I do is going to be the last uh-huh. time I do this show. Uh-huh. And uh, and I thought, but it's fine. I'm killing it. I'm like doing, you know, I'm doing third rock from the sun and I'm doing <laughs> like, I'm like booking other like roles and I'm like, I'm going to be great. I'm going to land my, my big role right. on something else right. and then I'll be fine. And then I think it was around, it was, uh, there's an episode of Gilmore Girls, the, 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 the bass, it's called A Tisket, A Tasket is the name of the episode. Mm-hmm. And it's where... They, they, um, everybody in the town like makes a basket and they bid on the baskets. Mm-hmm. And Suki makes this amazing basket for Jackson, right? But, uh, he, he's they get into a fight, and so in defiance, he doesn't bid on the basket. Kirk bids on the basket and gets it, and then they and then they make up. Jackson has to go back and like tell. And, and like try to like bid for and like try to buy back the back it's whatever right Gilmore Girls fans you know what I'm talking about and that was that episode always sticks out to me because that was the episode that when I did it I was like oh I'm gonna be on this show for a long time uh, yeah you know like mm-hmm. I they gave my character like my character had a little bit of a backstory in that episode he was and it's it's crazy to look back and be like I was like twenty episodes in I probably should have known before then but but uh, but I was like oh yeah this is what this is what I'm doing now I'm playing this character on this show right, right. and then you know and then you know how the rest went sure. you were there well yeah I mean you did 137 episodes you were you know an integral part of this thing for God's sake a series regular um, yeah. How do you even explain the character of Kirk? Well, I'm I'm fortunate that I I read this great piece in the Atlantic. Um, I should be I should shout out to the writer's name, but I don't remember her name off the top of my head. But it explained it way better than I ever could. Um, where they where she talked about Kirk as a man child and. <laughs> You know, I always looked at him as being a guy who, who, who like obeyed the rules at all costs. Um, but would would also do, 
would also duck them when necessary. Like I don't, I don't know how I, I thought of it, but but when you think of Kurt as like a nine-year-old in a grown man's body, right. it all adds up. Right. Right. You know, it's like when you think of him as a, it's like oh, this is like a little kid who both, he's like, he'll he'll lie if he needs to, mm-hmm. but not in a bad way, only because maybe he thinks he's not going to get caught. Right. And, uh, and yeah, I think Kirk is, um, you know, a grown man who lives alone in his mother's basement. Like what do you. (laughs) Very, very entrepreneurial. Um, yeah. It it works. Everything like he does what's expected of him all the time. You know, like what, whatever you expect of me, like I, I will do it. And also I have to do it or I'll get in trouble. Uh Uh-huh. You know, uh, I know, I'm sure psychoanalysts could uh, right could say a thing or two about her. So how do you, seriously? I mean, how playing all those different characters and all those hysterically funny uh, setups? I mean, they really set you up. Um, how do you keep a straight face through all of it? Especially the hot dog. I mean, how on earth? Oh God, the hot dog. I remember I, I said recently to Amy that I I was like, I, I wore a hot dog suit on the show and I like to think that the character wore a metaphorical hot dog. Um, <laughs> like that's who he is in his essence. He's just the guy who wears the hot dog suit. Like you just know that you look at him and you're like, someday I'm going to see this guy in a hot dog suit. Uh, um, I uh, I don't know, man. You know how playing comedy, you don't, you're not trying to be funny right. when you do comedy. Right. You know, it's like you play this, you you play the truth of it and the words carry you. So <clears throat> the writing on the show was great. And Kirk's never, you know, Kirk's never trying to be funny. Never, like never trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I just like, I, I just play that. I'd mm-hmm. like try to like think about what he's thinking about. Right. You know, um, but God, some of those things. Who are some of your biggest uh, influences as an actor? Did you watch a lot of Buster Keaton? Did you watch a lot of the the physical comedians? Yeah, Yeah. it's funny you say that because, yes, Buster Keaton is the first person that I would say. And particularly for Kirk. For Kirk, the the actors that I think of all the time are Buster Keaton and a lesser known actor named Eddie Bracken, who was a Preston Sturgis guy. He was in... Hail the Conquering Hero and Miracle of Morgan's Creek. And he was just this weird. And and I, I, I honestly, I think in, in some ways, I think the way I, I booked the role was that I was a fan of those types of movies and stuff. I think way back to when I was the DSL installer, I read that scene and I knew like front page and His Girl Friday and and like bringing up baby and those old like film comedy, like the Howard Hawks person mm. certain movies. And I read that. I'm like, Oh, this is, this is that, this is like, right. That's how this plays is like, it's like those comedies. And I think that that's what, what got me there. And did, um, Amy, did Amy confirm that? I mean, did you have those conversations with Amy about those films and those characters influencing Kirk? No, not until years, many, many, right. many years later. Right. Like, so at the time, and and I, I I love Amy so much. Like she's 
she's such an amazing talent and has such an amazing brain. Um, but it was such great synergy to me for like actor and writer that, that she confirmed what I thought by writing for me. You know what I mean? I never had to ask her, Hey, is this what you're thinking? Like I would then I would get the next scene that she would write and it would confirm what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, I, I just knew from how she wrote the character that like, yeah, I'm on the right track. I'm, I'm doing it right. 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 Um, which is the greatest man. I miss, I miss it. I like, I, I feel like at the time doing Gilmore girls was like, like it was, it, you know, it was awesome and I love doing it, but I was also an actor in my twenties and like, was, you know how it is. You're wondering what's the next thing. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, this is great. But what's the next thing? Mm -hmm. And like, I, I now feel like I'm chasing that dragon a little bit of like, Oh man, being on a, being on a show where you have a writer who understands what your strengths are right. and is writing to those strengths. Right. Like, how's it going to get, I, I how's it, it, it going to get better that. than that? Right. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, your brother, I think, uh, has I've been really lucky. the same kind of brain and the same kind of talent. Um, because that he I mean, does, I've been really lucky in that way. Yeah. Those are, those are extraordinarily, uh, well-drawn characters and very funny films. Uh, and I think, you know, the humor in those films and the lightness of those films is what carries them. Um, yeah. Um, and very few directors have that ability. Very few writers have that ability. Bring a little optimism into your life with The Bright Side, a new kind of daily podcast from Hello Sunshine, hosted by me, Danielle Robay, And me, Simone Boyce. Every weekday, we're bringing you conversations about culture, the latest trends, inspiration, and so much more. Thank you for taking the light, and you're going to shine it all over the world, and it makes me really happy. I never imagined that I would get the chance to carry this honor and help be a part of this legacy. Listen to The Bright Side on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search The Bright Side. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Every family has skeletons in their closet. Mine certainly does. Ones that go back a hundred years and reach thousands of miles back to our hometown in Sicily. Ever since I can remember, my relatives told the story of my great-great-grandmother who was killed by the mafia. I'm Joe Piazza, and in my new podcast, I'm taking on a generational vendetta, visiting the scene of the crime, confronting mafia experts, tracking down Italian officials, and even consulting mediums 
to set the record straight on my great-great-grandmother's mysterious disappearance. And in between the fact-finding missions, I'll be drinking a lot of wine and eating all of the pasta. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello. From Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. This month, we're bringing you the stories of disappearing acts. There's the 17th century fraudster who convinced men she was a German princess. The 1950s folk singer who literally drove off into the sunset and was never heard from again. The First Nations activist whose kidnapping and murder ignited decades of discourse about indigenous women's disappearances. And the young daughter of a Russian czar whose legendary escape led to even more intrigue and speculation. These stories make us consider what it means to disappear and why a woman might even want to make herself scarce. Listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Give me the top three Kirk moments. I mean, was there one specific moment with Kirk that really stands out for you? And if it was, what was it? And is there a top three? I can do this. I won't. Um, I won't. I won't say the one that I already mentioned. But for me personally, that basket scene that I talked about earlier with Jackson is the one that sticks out more than any other because it was the one that that solidified what I understood about the character. But it's not the, the the ones that I love. The 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 I'll I'll count them down. Um, I loved um, I loved playing Jesus and the Festival of Living Art. It was so fun, and I don't know. I I, I don't even remember. I don't remember what your interaction was with that episode, but it was a beast, man. Right. It was like, and if I'm if I'm not incorrect. Um, the only Emmy that that show ever won right. was for makeup on that right. on, on that episode, on that episode yeah. which was well deserved, by the way. Yep. Although, you know, I've, awards are stupid, but I don't know. Maybe we should have won some more Emmys, but whatever. Um, yeah, about the, uh, fifty of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like that Festival of Living Art episode, it was just so fun, and it was so mammoth, and it was such a like, like, and I loved the whole thing of Kirk just like getting into character and being like. Hey man, I'm method. I'm like Jesus and I'm running with this. <laughs> oh man. It's so much fun. Um, I would also say probably, probably the cat Kirk episode mm-hmm. where Kirk gets a cat and names him Kirk. Um, I love cats and <laughs> I've always had I've had I've had cats as a, as a grown man, and I always wonder if Amy and Dan knew that and thought that that was funny, and uh-huh. were kind of like making fun of me on that episode. Right. Um, but that one definitely sticks out. Uh, but the the best one you were part of the best episode ever to me was when I played Tevya and Fiddler on the Roof with the nine year olds. So it's a bunch of nine year olds and and Kirk. And Kirk. <laughs> Which Kirk's in his element, as I said, he's sure. with nine year old. He's like, I'm comfortable here. This is my <laughs> these are these are my people, you know. And then there's that scene where I sing, "Do you love me?" 
with that little girl. And mm-hmm. t- I, that's my favorite scene in the history of, of the show right. where, where you and Luke and Lorelai are like watching each other across the stage from the wings of the stage. Right. Um, and it's like this beautiful moment. It's like a really romantic and touching moment between you guys where, well, while literally between you, the most absurd thing you could possibly imagine is happening, mm-hmm. which is a grown man singing Do You Love Me to a nine-year-old girl and playing it. And we're playing it straight. I remember the, I remember asking the, 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 the great Ed Herman about that scene and being like, Ed, I usually know what to do, and I'm not sure how to play this. Like how to like, am I, am I good? Should I do it as, should I, should I go for the laugh or should I do it as well as possible? And he's like, and and he gave, of course, the perfect advice, which was like, just do it, just go for it, just like sing, sing the song, right? You know, right. um, which to me, like I'm feeling something very deep there, but it's hilarious right. when you watch it. It's it's, it's ridiculous, right? That's really- um, and there's all to me. That's like the alchemy of the show comes together in mm-hmm. a. There's like perfect synergy in that scene. Um, so and anyway, and there you are again, <laughs> offering the ridiculous absurdity of life in the first kiss, and you run through naked with a pillow covering. Your oh head. yeah, that I mean, there you were. Yeah, I love. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right, the first kiss, and I run through naked. Oh man. Um. All right, so. Here's a here's a question. Uh, did Kirk love Lorelai? Did you love her? You know, there's an there's an episode early on where Kirk asked Lorelai out on a date, and I thought it was <laughs> I thought it was going to be a big episode for me. Not not because I not because I thought something was going to happen, right. but I thought that like, oh, this will be cool. The audience will like feel for Kirk, and like it'll be like heartbreaking and kind of sweet. And I look back on it and it's kind of creepy. (laughs) (laughs) But that's the point, right? That's kind of the point. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, you know, I I honestly think it's that it's more messed up than him loving her. I think that he (laughs) wants her approval. It's like... Right. It's like, I don't know, you get into that psychological stuff, but right. mother, it's but a motherly like if, thing. Like, he wants Lorelai to say he's a good boy, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Sorry. Sorry to go there. <laughs> but I mean that like the way you would a dog. Right, no. right, 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 right. You know, like, not anything more nefarious than that. <laughs> um, I don't think, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just think that, like, I mean, in the know, mind of Kirk, he wants approval, right? Kirk exactly. Wants approval. He wants you to say, "Hey, great job!" Like that was really, you know. And they they could have learned that. Like Luke could have learned that. Probably, you know, like if you really wanted to get Kirk away from him from hanging out at the diner, just be like, "Kirk, man, you you look great. You're really killing it. You're like." <laughs> And I don't, I think Kirk would be like, oh my gosh, wow, that's awesome. Like, uh, that's, that's how you would, that's how you would win that guy over, I right, think. Right, right. Um, oh God. Uh, <laughs> um, so how did Kirk, right? How did Kirk feel about Luke? 
oh, I do think Kirk loved Luke. I mean, he's the ultimate, Luke is the ultimate man. So like, like Luke is the, is the ideal of what a man should be. And so like, you know, I, I, I do think that, that again, it's like Kirk's, that, that, that Luke's approval would be the, the, the best thing he could, he could possibly get. Mm. Um, you know, I don't know. I have to like, I have to go back and watch some of that stuff. <laughs> what is the ultimate Kirk job? that you gave yourself in an entrepreneur, you started companies, you, you, you tried many different things. What, what, what was the, uh, what was your favorite uh, job that you did? Well, there's a difference between what's my favorite and what's the ultimate, because my favorite was the one that was easy for me. So like, I loved, I loved announcing the hockey game because it was like, you just sit and make jokes for, you know, for like two days, you just like sit and, he was like sit down with a microphone and, uh -huh. and, 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 and do comedy. But, um, you know, I think honestly that like, that I got to go back to the hot dog suit. It's like <laughs> wearing a hot dog suit and passing out. That's the ultimate, that's the true ultimate Kirk job. Yeah. It's like passing out flyers for a hot dog place wearing a hot dog suit it, it's it, like it, it brought out unexpected joy on the set all day even though you were sweating your brains out it would probably 100 oh god and that, that thing day. was heavy man yeah it was like yeah, it was they didn't even have pads in it it was like wow. two pieces of plywood yeah. that just rested on my shoulders <laughs> holding that whole thing up that was one of the worst i had some bad days on that set yeah, and that and that was one of the worst i also did that i was in the uh the plexiglass box that was suspended over the street uh -huh. where, where they were like, you know, it takes a forklift to get you in and out of that thing. So between setups, do you mind just staying in there? And like, so I, <laughs> the guy's on a cigarette break. He doesn't want to come back. And I was like, there. I'm fine. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I'm like, I'm fine. I'm just sitting in that box. <laughs> I'd love a photo. I'd love a photo of that, yeah. of me on of on the Warner Brothers lot right. of, of that plexiglass box right. in the middle of the night, with like that you know right. that sad looking man right. just sitting, hovering above the the glamour, the glamour, the yeah, the right. glamour yeah. of Hollywood. <laughs> so uh, what, you know, show business. Uh, show the show business. must go on. It's mostly that, and then once a year, they if you're lucky, they send a limo to take you somewhere. Um, yeah. Uh, so here's here's a question: What do you remember? Because mine was a very distinctive memory. But w w what do you remember about your first day on set? Oh gosh. Um, my first day on set. Yeah. Wow, I I don't remember a whole lot from that because. I thought I was in and out. I thought I was mm -hmm. like, you know, I'm just like coming in. I'm going to do my thing. I'm going to leave. I'll never see any of these people ever again. Right. You know? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and so I remember I, uh, I, I, I was, I was not nervous because I was get a little bit nervous if I, if I'm not a hundred percent on the lines, yeah. but, um, but I, I worked the audition so many times right. that like, I, I already knew the lines backwards and forwards. And so like, I remember, um, 
I remember like wanting to do it fast and like go home. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't, it's like, it's, that's the least sexy story you could possibly imagine. But like the, the thing that, the thing that sticks out for my first day is like, I'm going to do this fast. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to be super impressed by the awesome job that I do. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go home and I'm never going to see these people again. <laughs> and you did, that was in LA. That wasn't in Toronto, was it? Yeah, no, that was in LA. Right. So it was, I was on the first episode after the pilot. <clears throat> so you guys shot the pilot in Toronto, right? right? DSL. And, yeah, uh, yes. yes. And then they, uh, and then I was on the, and I was on the first um, episode and a funny story, my agent at the time um, wanted me to pass on the, the audition uh, because I because it was a co-star, not a guest star. Right. And I had just done a couple of guest stars. Right. So like I was they're like, we're really trying to establish you as a guy. And, and you know, for the audience, if you don't know the difference, it's like a co-star, you know, is maybe is, is going to be one day maybe has a line or two, mm -hmm. you know, whereas a guest star is more like an actual supporting guest star for the, for the, for the episode, you know, big difference in money, difference in day, number of days and all that kind of stuff. Credit. And I had just come off doing like a couple of guest stars on sitcoms. Right. And so when the audition came in, my agent was like, we recommend that you pass on this because we want to establish you as a, as a guest star caliber guy and that you're not going lower than that. Right. Right. Makes uh, sense. You know, they're doing their job. Yeah, sure. You know, it makes sense. But my, my manager at the time, many years ago, Gordon was, had been friends with Mara Casey in Chicago mm -hmm. and said, and, and Mara's the, the cast, it was one of the cast mm -hmm. directors of the show and said, Mara's an old friend. And, um, I, you know, your agents don't want you to do it, but I think it would be cool to like introduce yourself to all these people and to like get it done. And I, I did, fortunately I did the, the thing that any actor I would recommend now should do, which is I said, send me the scene and let me read it. And if I want to do it, then I'll, then I'll audition. Right, sure. And if I don't, if it looks like something that would be cool like, and fun, yeah. And I read the scene. I'm like, this scene's funny. Right, it's like, right, it's good. Right. You know, like, so like, of course I'll go in on the audition. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that weird? It's weird how that stuff works out. Like it, how you, it, you go back it, and like, how does. Cause we turn, cause I was a guest star on the pilot. I wasn't a series regular. And that was, oh, just, wow, yeah. that was a quick, easy audition. And I was like second of the day. I had a third one. I was, I was running late and I was like, let's get through it. And Got the job, shot it. We kind of figured uh, it was just really a heat check with Lauren, you know, because the, 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 the pilot opens in the diner, it ends in the diner. And so we figured, okay, so this is kind of a thing of the show. And they're looking right. for the right guy. So they offered two yep. episodes and we said no, which caused me great stress. <laughs> and then they came back with four and, you know, my manager recommended no. I said, come on, it's four guest star episodes and she was like <laughs> she goes i'm gonna call gavin pallone and get you a contract and i said okay and she did it she did it wow she 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 got me a six-year deal wow yeah and that, which which shows you first of all it's smart you know that you, you know you, like sometimes your reps know they understand what's going on right and they knew that they like like 
they knew this is this is the guy we want to do this but it's a money it's, but it's like do they have the money so yeah, let's yeah. let's well, keep them coming back on the cheap because that's all we really have in the kitty and at that point correct me if i'm wrong so at that point in your career you're like you you did it like a famous episode of seinfeld right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The, with the uh the sponge what do you call it? the sponge, the sponge yeah. <laughs> and and like what's going on for you in your career at that no, point nothing. are you like yeah I mean, just no, just auditioning really well, yeah. like, like like killing it and everything, and always yeah, being close to stuff, right? Always being, being the bridesmaid and yeah. looking. He killed it. We're just gonna go another way, you know. And yeah, it's, yeah. it's like he's he's our choice, but the director is gonna go with the friend of a friend, and you know, <laughs> it's yeah. always that. Um, yeah, no, no, I had nothing, nothing really. I mean, That's I did, awesome. I, I did a. A Will and Grace. I did a Seinfeld. I was kind of like that kind of go-to guy. I did a I did a Fired Up with Sharon Lawrence. I had a recurring on that, which was great. Uh -huh. um, so I was developing a little bit of a reputation in the business as like a reliable sort of yeah. uh, guy to come on and you know um, yeah. do my thing. And but no, 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 no series stuff. No deals. No studio deals. No network deals. You know, it wasn't. Yeah, it no, was, it was yeah. just like that was back in the day when there would be. Like, like you'd meet people who's like, who are like, oh, I, I have a, you know, it, I don't know if you had, you had friends who like, like I had friends who didn't work, but were like under. Yeah, they, had, like they, had, had, they had holding deals. Holding deals, yes. right. That's what they call them. And they used, to give them, they used to give them out. And then when the writers went on strike, they wiped all those deals out and they stopped oh, giving the them days. out. Those were the those days. Those were the days. And we got a holding deal after year seven negotiating in year six to go into year seven and we had a holding deal in case the series got canceled and thank god we did that i had a great manager i really did um so we got we we, we got a holding deal which got me on aliens in america because they had to either pay me or put me on a series and they didn't want to pay me to do nothing Right. Yeah, but they right. pay you to sit and wait. So I was on this, this, this wonderful, wonderfully written series, um, comedy series. Um, um, but anyway, so here's, here's a question who from the cast. Okay. <laughs> have you remained closest to? Keiko. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, like, uh, uh, Oh, okay. Well, um, that's not counting John Cabrera, who played Brian right. on the show, right. who was in one of the members of the band. Sure. And, um, but Cabrera was my friend before he did the show. Gotcha. Um, didn't get the job through me, by the way. It was coincidental, but he ended up. But like we were, we were roommates in college. So uh... he's he's one of my. He's like he, he was a year behind me in college. We we're close friends. We've been like, you know, the best of friends for for oh my god how old am i almost 30 years um so but he doesn't count because we were already friends right uh but um but but keiko's the one i see the most i i i just saw her doing um uh she was she came to my wedding and um and and uh and i just um saw her doing a, a we were doing a reading for a, this uh 
cool thing that she's working on. I won't mm-hmm. say any more about that, but mm-hmm. like, um, and we talk and I, 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 I see her, I, I, I see her when I can, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, she's like the only, like, I see you, you know, like mm-hmm. we, we see, we've seen each other at conventions and you and I'll text from time to time mm-hmm. about, about various things and like, whatever I saw Yanni years ago. The, the, the coolest thing to me has been that like, I became friends with Amy and Dan after the show. Like mm-hmm. when we were on it, I was, um, I, I was, uh, I was scared of, I was, I was afraid of Amy, <laughs> you know? Um, and, you know, and she was my boss and, uh, and like, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to please her. Like right. I wanted her to think that I was doing a good job and and continue to employ me. And like, and like, I thought she was great and everything. Um, and I liked her. I would, you know, but, but it wasn't until after the show was over really that we became friends as like actual human beings, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now when I, um, I'll, uh, you know, anytime I go to New York, I'll, I'll, I will try, you know, to have dinner with Amy and Dan, you know, every time. And we, you know, we'll email from time to time. And I also like look back now as a, as a 47 year old man, what I didn't understand as a, as in, in my twenties, um, just knowing that like, man, she was like, she was like, a 30, however old, like in her mid thirties, a female dealing with all these dudes mm-hmm. who think that they're the smartest people in the room mm-hmm. and trying to like, like get, trying to sway her off of what her vision is. And yeah. she was like, no, I know better than you do how this stuff works. And she like imposed her will on the show. She and sure that's did. the reason that it's good. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason that people talk about it mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. is because, because you had a creator at the top who knew exactly uh, what the F she was doing. I don't know if I can curse on this show, but I won't. Um, you knew exactly what she Thank was you. doing. And, uh, and, and looking back now, I have like, I have just unlimited respect for what she accomplished mm-hmm. in making the show work. Um, yeah. She stood her ground right away. She dug yeah. her heels in. But to go back to, to the question you asked about, about people on the show, like, I don't really see anybody, you know, like I, that was one of the cool things about doing a year in the life was like seeing Lauren and Alexis again, who mm. I love and will love forever. Or like, you yeah. know, seeing Mike winners again, who mm-hmm. like, I always like, like anytime I, I, I ever do an interview about Gilmore Girls and people ask me who I like working with the best or whatever, I just feel obligated to bring up Mike Winters because mm-hmm, of how hard his mm-hmm. job was <clears throat> yep. and how like that dude would just have pages and pages and pages of exposition <laughs> and yes. played an un, a, a like relatively unlikable character <clears throat> that people that's sort of like, oh, this guy again, you know, and man you want to talk about being a pro Mm -hmm. and being old school, like knowing how show business works and coming in and knowing your stuff and like hitting your mark and, and and like knocking the ball out of the park every, Mm -hmm. like, you know, every, or, or, or not even, you know, as a baseball guy, 
like just hitting clean doubles every time, you know, <laughs> like, like, I just, I, uh, I love it. I miss, I miss all of those. Yeah. I, I miss everybody really. Yeah. Um, but I don't see anybody. I know me and, uh, and Melissa were in Sydney at the same time. Oh, you know, I just, um, we just spoke to Yannick and he's over there with her doing oh, uh, God's favorite idiot. Uh, it's a new, yeah. I guess an HBO thing or something. Yeah, he's I, playing uh, an angel. I, but I, I haven't. Uh, awesome, awesome. I, uh, but I haven't seen her in forever. Yeah, I'd love to ask her if she's been able to get work since Gilmore Girls ended. I yeah, don't know. It's, if she's it's a shame what's happened to her. It's a shame. Yeah, yeah. Such a talented girl being overlooked. And yeah, it's just someone. Else, she'll find a job somewhere. She maybe. will. She will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> were you, were you, wait a minute. Were you with us that night? We went to uh, Groundlings to see her. Uh, and they're like season one. Did you come no, with us? Because we went as a cast. I went on my own. I I I went and saw her at Groundlings, um, like by myself one night. Did She's you? like, "Hey, I'm doing the show." I'm like, "Okay, right, cool." Right, right. And like, I, and I went and saw her perform in Groundlings. I'm astounding. Like, yeah, I mean, I mean, it was astounding. It, it's not a surprise. Like you know now, like oh yeah, of course she was amazing. No, like, but I, I mean, a, I I knew she was good because she was in the Groundlings, and they, you know they don't mess around yeah. over there. I mean, yeah, they, they yeah, don't yeah, bring yeah. you in unless they think you have tremendous upside. Uh, and tremendous yeah. skills, but I wasn't prepared for that. I mean, that was like, after that show, A, my stomach hurt, and then I wanted to call Lauren Michaels and say, why isn't this girl on SNL? You know, this is like somebody who can create the content and then act it beautifully. I mean, these characters were gloriously funny. My God. Anyway. Um, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, I was not surprised at all when her star started rising. I mean... Wasn't surprised. Okay, I, I got to be fair here. I wasn't surprised, but I was a little surprised. Really? I was surprised, like only only because of culture, only because of like right. the world that we lived in. Right. Like, like I wasn't surprised that she had a fantastic career because she's genius. But like, her becoming a movie star is freaking awesome. Like, like it's such a great thing that. Right. Like we we didn't have movie stars like Melissa McCarthy when I was growing up. Right. And the world was worse for it. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and and I, re I really mean that. And so, like, it's like if you had said to me, if you would ask me, um, you know, in whatever, in the middle of Gilmore Girls, if you would ask me in season five, like, like, which one of your castmates is going to be a massive movie star? Um, I, I, I would not have called it correctly. And I'm very glad that uh, I would have been wrong. I called. I called. Right Yannick, I, I called Yannick Truesdale. He's been a huge disappointment to me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I thought that Yannick was most likely to be found dead in a gutter somewhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. 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 Oh. Come on, he's too on top of stuff, man. That guy's like on top of things. No, he's losing it. You see, I mean, what <laughs> He's first of all, he's looking older. Can we, can we admit he's looking? He looks a full ten years older than he is. <laughs> he's got to wait a minute. He, he's Yannick got likes to dish it out. He's got to take it back. <laughs> Nobody dishes it out more than Yannick. He's got to take it back. <laughs> He'll be fine. Oh my god! But um, 
I would have, I would, I actually, I actually did call Melissa. You know, I did call from everyone in the cast. I said, that girl's going to break out because of her skill set, because of her comedic skill set. And on top of the fact that she is just naturally funny, like in an interview. Oh, she, I mean, I mean, I did interviews with her. I mean, I did I did an interview f- for early on with a- ESPN, and we're talking about boxing, and she was hysterical. And she, she was talking, awesome. and she thought I was laughing at her. She got offended. I'm like, what are you talking about? Every, every everything out of your mouth is like hysterically funny. Oh yeah, she's a killer. I mean, you know, yeah, she's a killer. She's yes. she's undeniable. Yeah, she's like she's like uh, Sally Struthers level, like funny, just like just talking to her. You know, <laughs> good old Sally. I miss Sally. Those are my man. Some of some of my favorite nights, uh, like my favorite memories, I, I think from the entire run of the show would be we'd be doing those um, those scenes in the town hall, Ugh. you know, Ugh. and it would be hot Ugh. and you got to do everybody's coverage, Every, and there'd yeah. be like. Fourteen people in the scene, right? You know, right. and it would be on a Friday, so they knew they could go as late as they want. Uh, yep. And we'd, we'd be up. It'd be like, okay, when the sun, like, hopefully when the sun comes up, we'll wrap. <laughs> you know, and at some point, Liz Torres and Sally Struthers would get punch drunk, right, and yes. start singing old show yes. tunes and just, you know. Sally would beckon a, you know, an extra would be sitting on her lap, like randomly, or like they just would start holding court. And, yeah. and I, I, I wish I had a video of, of uh, oh, God. one or two of those moments. Cause man, oh, I missed that. They saved us so many times. They saved, you know, that was the thing about working uh, in, on, in Burbank in August in 110, 115 degrees, uh, doing those town hall meetings, man, those were hot days. And every time I was in one of those scenes, and you're in there all day because you, you know I mean, you got to get coverage of all those people, like you said. But my God, it was so hot in those tents, and they would tent it off, right, to create nighttime. So at six a.m., it was tented off to look like nighttime, and it just it was just like being inside of, oh, it was like a sauna. It was a steam room, well, not a sauna, but it was a steam room. Yeah, uh, a big steam room, and you could just couldn't escape. They, they pumped in all kinds of uh, AC with these giant tubes, but they would break down. The generators would break down from you know working all day, and then they'd have to replace it. But oh my god, it was hot! And every time I was in there, we were all sweating because we're in winter clothes too. Most of the time, we're in winter clothes. It's Connecticut. It's you know, it's usually winter or fall, <laughs> and, and that's when we did a lot of the town meetings. Um, uh, I just kept thinking of all the people that have to work in the hot sun for scut wages. And here I am, you know, mm. pissing and moaning about being sweaty and hot and, and winter clothes, but I'm on a hit TV show. Again, it was that, it was that sense of community that we all had because everybody was sweating their brains out and all, you know, you know, who I felt sorry for the most are the, are the uh, hair and makeup department? Cause they would have to come in there all the time and wipe us down and dab us down. They couldn't wipe, you know, they'd have to dab us because the makeup, they'd screw up the makeup if they wiped. Right. So they'd have to come in there and they'd have their little, you know, those little fans, those tiny little fans, they look like little propellers and they just hold them up to your face. And you're like, Oh, thank you. I love you. Thank you. Will you marry me? Thank you. <laughs> Don't stop. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, it was just, it was, it was hot. 
have I have I said it was hot in there? Yeah, it was it was extraordinarily hot. Um, anyway, it's a it's a heck of a place to be wearing flannel and spitting out dialogue while the sweat is flying off you. And Ben, I'll tell you what, uh, we 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 definitely earned our money on those days. That's for sure. Maybe not so much on other days, but on those days we earned our money. I uh, I was working on a thing recently, and it was like it was like oh man, this show is such a beast. Like like we're trying to do five pages a day for like whatever weeks or months or whatever. And I'm like, okay, I did a show where we averaged over 10 pages a day every single day for seven years. And those 10 pages really constituted 20 pages on a normal script because there was twice as much black ink. People did. Yeah. Like people, people, uh, anybody works who works in show business, you tell them you did over 10 pages a day every day it's like uh, wait what that yeah, doesn't yeah. that's impossible yeah i went on aliens in america and then the event set and i was like you know people are like gosh we have a two-pager today how are we gonna get through it i said are you kidding me <laughs> this is easy oh yeah man are you kidding oh, me man, I, do here six. I, I do big movies now and it's like yeah you know we got a two and a half page scene so luckily we have two full days to shoot it right, right. and it's like okay <laughs> <laughs> jesus oh my goodness uh, you ready for rapid fire? You want to do some rapid fire? Yeah, give me some rapid Are you fire. Ready? I love it. Come on, strap yeah. in, man. Ready? All right. How do you take your coffee, bud? Quick coffee? Come yeah, coffee. How do you take it? Lots of cold milk, no sugar. Can you smell snow? No. Are you Team Logan, Jess, or Team Dean? Team Logan. Hey, wow. That's shocking. Really? I, I thought that might stop you in your tracks. That's, I'm yeah. stopped in my tracks right now. Wow. Yeah, I think that I think that I, I think that Logan. Okay, I think that I think that Dean like fetishized Rory a little bit. Okay, like treated her like an object. Okay, I think that Jess belittled her a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like would be like a little bit condescending at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that Logan, for all his faults as a human being, treated her as an equal, um, oh. as a, better than the other two did. Okay, best memory of Gilmore Girls. Uh, the one I just said, late l- late nights, getting punch drunk, yeah, yeah. wanting to go home. Everybody's there. Right. We're all like right. dicking around. We're l- looping, getting loopy. Yeah. Uh, uh, favorite Friday night dinner meal in real life? Yes. No. In well, let's both. Let's do uh, Emily's house because you were invited to a couple dinners, weren't you? Or was it just the one? I went to one in the in the reboot. Okay. What, what ate, was the What was the meal? I ate the most. Disgusting. Discuss. I ate the most disgusting thing they they right that that, that they ever had on the show right. Um, and that's so I don't that, know. In real life, I eat sushi on Friday night. I guess go. I don't know. That's that a boy. I don't. I do too, actually. Um, uh, show you're binge watching right now. Uh, Handmaid's Tale. Okay. Uh, cast member you texted most recently. I think we know the answer to that. Well, it, that's you. Yes. But, um, <laughs> but before that. Before that, it's uh, Keiko. Oh, it's Keiko. Okay. Um, tell us about dealing with the swans. Here's what I remember about that episode: is 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 that I didn't know if I was the same character that I was that I was playing in the first episode that I did, <laughs> and trying to just fake my way through it, ne- never asking, is, "Am I the same character?" Just like trying to like like maybe if I keep my mouth shut, I'll figure it out. Uh-huh. You know, and. Uh, and doing it and sort of playing it like 
I, I think I ultimately did play it as though he was sort of the same character. Right. And then I did another episode where I'm like, oh, no, I, I think I have to change this up a little bit. I have a question about the film by Kirk. Did you ever Ooh. get offered to do a film based on those films by Kirk's or write and direct or produce a film any mm. on, on any level because of a film by Kirk and that whole uh, series of episodes where you were making these. No. These... And when you phrase the question like that, I'm a little annoyed now that I haven't. <laughs> you got no offers. <laughs> no, nah, no offers. What am I? What am I? What do I look like? like, like uh, you know, come on. But I do. So I, I uh, th that, that one comes up a lot. And uh -huh. I should like those films, like doing the, do, like, gosh, that was so much fun. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. oh my god! My, so my absolute fun. most pleasurable Kirk stuff was 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 those films. Those films were. Hey, and you didn't ask this question, but my what? favorite scene that you and I did together right. was in was was. Uh, oh man, there's a couple. There's a couple that really. There's two that that stick out a lot. But one is the date is is Kirk's first date with Lulu. Okay, and he's like all nervous about it, and we have this scene where where he goes aside to Luke and it's like, when we talk about Ducky from, from pretty and pink and, uh, and like, I love doing that scene. And I also love doing the scene on the episode that ends with me running naked where I'm talking the, the night terror scene where I'm like, can you please right. help me with these, with these night terrors? Right, like right, right. those are both really yes. some of my, some of the best scenes. I, some of my most fun Scenes well, I ever did. I, I don't recall. I, they were very tender. That they were tender scenes, weren't they? Between kind of, they, yeah, they were. Right? Yeah, Luke kind of was like, okay, I'm gonna throw this guy a bone and, right. and like he wasn't so you Luke know he, he was. He was you like, could see Luke had a little bit of a soft spot for right. Berkeley. Right. Oh God, this guy's lost. Oh man. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Great stuff. Yeah. Great stuff. Um. A pleasure. Thank you for the time. Uh, Anytime, we, my friend. We will. We, I, uh, we will be. Really... Uh, we will be rattling your cage again. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, you and know, again, I'm really sorry about what happened with Yannick. I, I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Yannick. I really do. I do Everybody, I'm not gonna. He's like the, my favorite person to give a hard time because he gives it back double. Oh, I really, God. I mean, that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. Anyway, bud, enjoy your Sunday. Uh, yeah, you and too. All the best to you guys and uh, your wife, and uh, all the best and good luck on the rest of the shoot. And we'll talk right, to you man. soon, pal. Okay. All right, man. All right. Be thanks. Well. Thank all right. You. you too. Bye. Bye. Okay. So, oh, wow. Uh, is he not great? Is this guy not just filled with smarts and and perspective and and what a great guy wow love talking to him guess what guys uh we talked for so long because we just lost track of the time you, you, when sean gunn enters a room something happens there's a vortex there's a there's a vacuum something something good and, and you lose the sense of time um and uh, we ran really really long so we're gonna make a second episode out of it so what do you think of that I think that's a good yeah, idea. Yeah, because we still we haven't yeah. even started talking about Kill Me Now. Right. So 
okay, how should we do this? All right. So we're going to end this episode. Mm -hmm. And then in like a day or two days, we're going to drop, or maybe when you're listening to this, it'll be there now. Right. We'll have another episode recapping kill me now. Yeah. So, so we went so long, we're going to drop, we're going to, we're going to drop another episode a couple days after this one. Uh, recapping kill me now. Okay. Cause we just went so long with Sean. You can talk for, I, I could talk to that guy and I have, I've been at the hotel bar and talking to him for hours. So in, fascinating guy. Um, and just look out for that second episode. And if you guys subscribe now, okay. Uh, you'll get an alert when that second episode is going to drop. Okay. So get on it, get on that subscribe button. Don't forget, follow us on Instagram at I am all in podcast and email us at Gilmore at iHeartRadio.com. Oh, you Gilmore fans, if you're looking for the best cup of coffee in the world, go to my website for my company, ScottyP.com, S-C-O-T-T-Y-P.com, ScottyP.com, grade one specialty coffee. Ah, summer. The best time of the year usually doesn't come with a great deal. Soaring temperatures come with soaring prices. But what if there was another way? With IKEA, your summer plans can last longer than two weeks of vacation and be more affordable. At IKEA, everyone can have lounge chair access. No reservations needed. From affordable outdoor furniture to stylish accessories, They have all of the essentials that you need to soak up summer in style, no matter the size of your space. Start planning a better summer with IKEA. It's your outdoor dreams inside your budget. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s She looked like a million bucks Scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes Nearly 10 million dollars was all gone It's just unbelievable Hide your money in your old rich man Because <laughs> she is on the prowl Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer On the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. 
Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love at First Listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.